Well, hello, hello, hello. My name is Lucas, and I'm recording live back on YouTube. Um, <laughs> I luckily, I'm not sure if anyone saw that, but I kind of just recorded uh, 15 minutes worth of showtime without being on air. Uh, so that was really cool. That was really awesome. I've just been talking to myself for 15 whole minutes about fun sports stuff that got no real airtime. That stinks. That's on me. I'll hold myself accountable. Either way, we're back. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Coach's Corner, a.k.a. the Lucas and Layla Show. We are back on YouTube. I am back talking, actually talking in the flesh. Hello. And... I feel like I'd start off this jam-packed sports weekend we just had by talking about the Masters. Now, I did just go on a spiel about John Rahm winning and how he was such a killer and all that. And I have to backtrack that stuff and repeat it. So basically, what I was alluding to was John Rahm competed and was behind Brooks Kepka for essentially the whole time until the last round on Sunday. That's when... John Rom, who the killer he is, decided to finally come back and put his foot in the metal, hit every shot he needed to to compete with Brooks Koepka. And he competed and did more. He took the extra mile, went there, dominated the last round of Augusta, and kind of just put his stamp on it. And it wasn't like he was birdieing every hole. I'm not going to I say dominate like that, but he played to a level where he frankly made no mistakes to let anyone back into the you know match. He didn't do anything to really relinquish the lead. He didn't like he simply held on for dear life and just dominated his way to his first masters jacket. Uh the first uh, first Spaniard since Sergio Garcia, I believe, to win it. I believe it's the I don't know if he's the 6th or 7th Spanish player to win it. But either way, absolutely great stuff from him. Hats off to him. I tip my cap once again. But John Rom, congrats to him getting a big time win there at Augusta. And so I transitioned to the UFC here. The UFC, I want to talk about real quick, Israel Adesanya, Alex Perea, the MMA Minute, if you want to call that this segment. We are back. Um, obviously the redhead. Perea got knocked out. He got slept. It was one of those. It was tough because he had Perea had fought such a good fight up to that point. He destroyed Izzy's legs and pinned him against the cage. He was fighting so much, like he was on the attack so much, his guard went down. And that's when Izzy threw two just haymakers trying to stay alive. Both of them connected well, and he slept him. So a very tough scene for Perea. And, uh, you know, I, I was alluding to it before, but Israel Adesanya winning this, I think, does a lot more hurtful things for the middleweight division than people realize. And as much as that knockout was incredible, awesome for highlights, all that good stuff, I think this stalls the middleweight division very much so. And not in a way where Israel's going to hold this belt and not fight anyone. He'll fight people. But the thing about this matchup that makes it so interesting is that these guys do have a history, of course, but stylistically, they are very similar. 
They did the kickboxing background. They're very similar in you know reach and length and all that. And I think it's a challenge that Adesanya will not get from people in the middleweight division that frankly could give him trouble. Like I don't think there's anyone in Israel Adesanya can fight after Perea in the middleweight division that makes any sense. Now, Dana alluded to that basically everyone after the fight said there's not going to be a trilogy. That's bull. They're going to have a trilogy. I don't know when or where it's going to be. But it's hard for me to imagine that in the UFC they're going to be end, you know, 1-1. They're going to fight again. And I I think it is I think it should happen. Like there's no doubt in my mind it should happen because what I think they're setting up is Perea is going to go to 205, the light heavyweight division, because he is such a monster of a man, a big person. I think he's going to move up, which makes sense. Um, Israel is going to stay, probably fight another one or two tomato cans in middleweight, do that deal. And Perea is going to go compete in light heavyweight, potentially go for a belt. And if he wins that belt in light heavyweight, you can guarantee that they're going to set up a double champ fight for Israel. They're going to set up, you know, the trilogy for Perea to try and get his revenge to see how they end this feud that they've had. And it only makes sense. Now, the fact that they're not doing it immediately at middleweight bothers me to a degree because I simply think that just for a, a company that has done so many trilogies these past couple years, after not having them basically for like a good double-digit amount of years leading up. Basically, it was like the Poirier-McGregor fight. They did that a trilogy back-to-back. And they kind of haven't looked back. They've done a decent amount of trilogies since then. And, you know, prior to that, they didn't, haven't, they didn't do that a lot. And so now that they're kind of doing it so much, the fact that this one isn't getting a trilogy when I think it's the most justifiable one it rubs me the wrong way. I don't like it. It does. It just, I don't know. Nothing about it really screams like this is good for the sport. And that's kind of how I felt about a lot of what's been happening. It's just like Dana White shutting down different fighters talking to each other at the press conference the other day. It's like if Conor McGregor talks trash to everyone on the panel, Dana's like sitting up there clapping like a seal laughing about how good this is and everything's good. But, you know, when a, when they talk and it's because a reporter instigates it or something, it's like, oh, this is bad. This is Hey, guys, cut it out. It's just, it's hypocrisy that I don't enjoy from Dana White. And we get a lot of that from him lately. And I just, it just doesn't, it doesn't rub me the right way. You know, it's just very frustrating for me, you know, and I just, I don't think it's very good by him I just I don't think it's coming from a good place he has his agendas people like him obviously Colby Covington comes to mind where kisses up to him and he gets a title shot after not fighting for two years and the guy that he fought is was on this card that retired afterwards you know it's just it's not stuff that impresses me with how the UFC is being run right now and how they're doing matchmaking there are certain matchmaking that they've done really good, like Corey Sandhagen versus uh, Cheeto Vera. That was a, it was a dominated fight by Sandhagen, but I thought it stylistically it made a lot of sense. Both those guys needed to go somewhere in bantamweight, and we got it, and it worked out well. I think both guys now have a path to go now, 
But this one, I, it's just very odd to me, you know? N- none of it really is cohesive in a plan that I see for the UFC to put out a good product. And that's that's my MMA minute. You know, it, it's just, I don't know. It just, it, you can tell that it's making me just kind of angry thinking about it. It's just, we should get another fight of this, like, in six months or five months, whatever that is. But instead, we have to wait while they kind of meander around each other, taking fights that they know does not make as much money as a trilogy between these two. But that's whatever, you know. So... That happened. Uh, real quick, we'll go on the ice with LK. This is the, I guess you, you wouldn't call this the hockey minute. We'll do it like MMA minute, but I actually do have to do it under a minute. The Bruins got their 63rd win of the year, and it is a record-breaking 63. It's very cool for Boston. They're about to start the playoffs in hockey. Yep, they are. They're going to do some goals and some skating. <laughs> Respectfully, my Predators are very mid very not awesome, so the hockey stuff kind of flies over my head right now. I just see it every now and then, and yeah, the Bruins being really good is what I've noticed, so good for them, good on them. That's the Puck Minute with Lucas. I'll workshop some names. We'll figure out what that is, but it's it's cooking. I'm cooking. See me. Okay, so moving on to close out the show, we're going to do... I, going to try and shorten Coach's Corner so that people can thoroughly enjoy it from, you know, I, th- I think uh, an amount that people actually can listen to quickly. But either way, play-in tournament starts tomorrow. Obviously, I'll be recording during the Wednesday night versions of those play-in games. So on the screen, we got it here. We got the Heat playing at home against the Hawks. We have the Lakers playing at home against the Timberwolves tomorrow. Then on Wednesday, we have the Bulls playing the Raptors. And then we have the Thunder playing the Pelicans. So, some interesting matchups, I think, teams, solid teams that some teams we don't often see in the playoffs. Like, OKC, I guess, is that only team. The new brand Lakers, the Lakers in the past 20 years, or 10 years, you know, haven't been in the playoffs a lot, but they're in the play-in here. Ooh, baby. But regardless, so... Real quick, let's just start off game one. Hawks at the Heat. My Atlanta Hawks. Um, they're going to lose this game. I'm, I'm already preparing myself. I'm I'm so done with this season with the Hawks. All the, the garbage that's coming out about them. It's just so frustrating. The Ringer came out with an article today about Trey Young. Basically saying the Hawks could explore train trade young instead of the typical garbage where Trey Young is requesting a trade. You know, that stuff normally happens, but you know the Hawks being the one to initiate it, it's getting to a level where I don't know if I can defend that. It's just absurd. One of the more exciting athletes that I've ever seen and put on a Hawks uniform now hasn't been a contributor to a winning basketball this season. I think, but. It, it's still absurd, I think, to think about trading him when they haven't even had an offseason to insert Quinn Snyder's true thumbprint on this team and his image. You know, it just it sucks. But either way, I, it's one of those teams where I think the Heat just kind of match up well against what the Hawks want to do. You know, I, 
maybe I think if, it's one of those where if Sadiq Bay or Bogdanovich, if they get hot, I think the Hawks will be in there towards the end. But if that's what I see, I think their physicality is just much more just there on defense than the Hawks. So give me the heat in that one. Uh, for the Lakers and Timberwolves, this was another thing on the sports weekend where the NBA season ending, the last game of the season, Rudy Gobert punches Kyle Anderson in the chest in the huddle. <laughs> that was a thing that happened. Jaden McDaniels then punched a wall on his way back to the locker room, broke his hand. Chaos ensued from a Timberwolves team that I was kind of high on. If you remember last Wednesday when I did the tears, I had them, I think, in B. And that's unraveled very quickly on me, and I did not see that coming. But regardless, it's still shocking to see. And so their chances against the Lakers now I don't think are very good. I, I think the Lakers have, have turned it on since their trade deadline stuff. Those are very real. Um, I think Anthony Davis will dominate Cat you know, down low. Anthony Davis has been the Lakers' best player this year. As much as people have, you know, always want to make it about LeBron and all that, it's been Anthony Davis's team this season, in my opinion. I think he's been kind of the anchor. And not, it's weird. I, Anthony Davis, I feel like he's played a decent chunk of games. He hasn't been, like, hurt majorly for a long time, except maybe the start of the season. But ever since, like, they made the trade deadline stuff. LeBron came back, got hurt himself. Anthony Davis turned it on. I think he's been a force for this Lakers team to really breach that next level that they kind of always want, want to. So I like the Lakers here with Anthony Davis having a big game. But I do think if anyone's going to make it close, it's going to be Anthony, Richard, um, Anthony Edwards putting up some big shots. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think the Wolves on the defensive side of the ball, they're missing their two biggest impact defenders that's that's too much to overcome so going from there we go to the raptors and the bulls and like i said i'll be streaming during these games while they're going on we'll know the results um so bulls raptors I, i'm not sure there's a team that's more checked out than the raptors right now i think they have a couple guys that are about close to hit free agency or want to be traded Nick Nurse quotes have been not good since, like, for the past month. Paradise is um, quickly crumbling from that 2019 championship they got. They seem like they're on the verge of kind of blowing it up or at least trying to either swing for one big guy or selling their decent guys in Siakam, Van Vliet. I don't know if he's hitting free agency soon or not, but Raptors, I can't see doing much from a competing standpoint anytime soon they they are just a team that just like sad and it's one of those they also have a young guy in scotty barnes who i don't think has taken the next step that they wanted to or they anticipated kind of like evan mobley has tough for the raptors faithful but regardless i still think that he has growing up to do i still think that the rest of this team is just done with each other you know it's they've run their course they they got a good seed the last season against Sixers. Didn't win that. That kind of seemed to be their peak ever since Kawhi left. So, tough for them. The Bulls, you know, they're, I don't want to say they're a team that underperformed because I think people were expecting a step back from this team. But given the talent they have, 
they should be better than the 10th seed in the East. I, I just think they should be. But, you know, Levine, I think, is taking a step back from his all-star play. He's kind of just been, I don't want to say a stat stuffer, but he hasn't been awesome. And DeMar DeRozan, you know, he's kind of just doing his thing. He kind of just scores points, doesn't do much else, and scores points. Vucevic is, once again, just kind of scores points. doesn't do much else, but scores points. And their guard play, I won't say it's not great, but it doesn't impress me from a playmaking standpoint. Pat Bev is a great defender, but outside of that, he's not making passes like Lonzo would. I, it does feel like they really do miss Lonzo, which is crazy to say given where he was in his NBA career. But when Lonzo got there to Chicago, kind of it kind of gelled things together and brought them a level of defense and offense that they needed from the point guard position. So I think they've suffered greatly from his loss. And, you know, as much as I like, these are two teams that I just think that they're just massively underperforming. And I think one team just wants to be done because they are underperforming so badly. I think the Raptors are done. Like I said, I think they're kind of checked out on each other this season. I think they just want to go and just stop. (laughs) I think they're done playing basketball right now. And so for that reason, I do think the Bulls' offense will be clicking enough to overpower the Raptors and get the win here. And then last but not least, we have the Thunder at the Pelicans, a game I'm actually kind of excited for. Uh, Now, Zion Williamson isn't playing again, of course, because he's always hurt right now, but Regardless, the Pelicans still have Brandon Ingram, C.J. McCollum, Valanchunas. You know, good good players, good basketball players. And, yeah, I mean, Ingram had an insane last game despite losing to the Timberwolves, but I think he'll be a big performer. <laughs> Thanks, Layla. Uh, we have that going on. And the Thunder. The Thunder, I, wanna, I don't want to say they've been the surprise of the NBA season because, I mean, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is playing out of his mind, averaging 31 points. He's been fantastic for them as a point guard. Should be on an all-NBA team if teams, you know, if if the voters didn't care about winning, Shea Gilgis would be on the first team. He's been that good. He's been incredible. They have other guys, you know, rookies that have kind of shown up. Jalen Williams will be in the contending for rookie of the year. And they've done all this without um, Chet Holmgren, their second overall pick, who's been hurt all year. So they're getting him back next year. That'll be awesome for them. But right now, they're just kind of young, hungry, and I think this is good experience for them in a playoff-esque atmosphere. I won't call it full playoff because it's not, but it'll be a, a stakes, a game that has stakes, and that's, I think, important for a young team when they're growing. Now, I don't know how much of a difference it makes, but I do think that it's good for them to get this and grow from it. So I think that's a big factor to consider for the Thunder. I do think they're going to have a a good showing. I think this is going to be a close game. But I think the Pelicans do have just a better overall basketball team with better overall role players. So give me the Pelicans there. And real quick, I guess if we want to give the the next playing game, that'll that would be the Hawks and Bulls from that standpoint. I'd probably pick the Hawks. You know, I think at home helps them obviously. 
And I think they match up good against the Bulls. I mean, I do. I, I think they simply, at full health, will just be better than the Bulls. And then that would be leave the <coughs> Timberwolves and Pelicans. Uh, mm. That's a tough one because I do think that they're very similar. Where people kind of had expectations for them. Both have underperformed greatly. And I think I would go with the Pelicans. Just because of the performance they gave last season. I think they have guys that are more experienced, more mature to... Um, you know, it, it would win or go home scenario. I I trust the Pelicans more than I trust the Timberwolves. Carnathy Towns kind of does not perform under pressure very well. And so for that reason, I think they would need him to go very good. Like, go crazy against the Pelicans. I don't think he will. So yeah, give me those two teams if I had to pick it. Once again, we're going we're gonna to be live when these happen next next time. So... Looking forward to that. Should be exciting. And yeah. I think that'll do it for me. Obviously I had my own personal screw up technical errors that uh, listener slash viewer won't know about. But uh, kind of tough there for me. But either way, I thought we came out with a good show here. Um, obviously make sure to like, share, subscribe on the YouTube, on the podcast feed wherever you find your podcast, all that stuff. I would really greatly appreciate it. We'll be back here live on Wednesday.